Welcome to It Starts Within, a podcast from Platinum Performance, where we'll dive into the health challenges faced by veterinarians and horse owners alike. Join us for inspiring stories about the latest advancements in equine care, treatments, and comebacks. You'll hear interviews with elite competitors, innovative researchers, and the veterinarians that devote their lives to horses and the humans that love them. At Platinum Performance, we know the power of nutrition starts within. Hello, everyone. This is Jesse Bengoa with the Platinum Performance It Starts Within podcast. And today I am here with not only one of our sponsored athletes, um, a guy that we are so happy to have on Team Platinum, but he's also a good friend. So selfishly, I'm really excited to get the opportunity to talk to Dakota Eldridge. Uh, Dakota is a national finals rodeo qualifying steer wrestler. He's won the average uh, at the NFR twice, um, and he's just an all around great guy. So Dakota, now that I've, I've thoroughly bragged about you, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Yeah. Thanks for having me on Jess. So Dakota in true rodeo cowboy fashion uh, has just left slack and is on the rodeo trail to the next one. So we're catching him in the pickup. So this is about as authentic as it gets. Um, and today we want to talk to him about his horses, uh, the sport of steer wrestling and professional rodeo and kind of dig into Dakota's lifestyle. He's got a really interesting story to tell. Um, and Dakota, Take us back, if you would, because uh, you are a born and bred Nevada cowboy. Um, you come from a, a family that is deeply ingrained in, in kind of, you know, what, what we like to refer to as the Western lifestyle. You know, this is not just a sport to you. This is who you are and how you grew up. So tell me a little bit about growing up in Nevada and kind of how that shaped who you became and the profession that you chose. Yeah, so, yeah, I grew up in Elko, Nevada, and, um, you know, my grandpa, he always leased a few ranches around here and run a few hundred head of cattle um, throughout some different ranches here. Um, the one I remember the most cowboying on and kind of where I learned learned a lot was the Wine Cup Ranch, and that's actually where my good horse Rusty was raised out there on the ranch. Um, so just being able to grow up around that, and, you know, my dad is um, a great hand and always had great horses for me. Um, and my mom always put up with him buying more horses. Uh, There's a few arguments, but uh, but dad, like I said, he always, I think he always blamed it on me. He was always buying them for me, but, uh, and he was, I've been so blessed to have great parents, you know, uh, and have them support me that way they did, but also having the background with all the great cowboys in Nevada and, and you know, just being, have an opportunity to go out there and, and ride horses all day and learn, learn what hard days were and long days were. And it, makes you become a uh, you know a tough and driving human being where it's pretty easy when you don't have to sit in the saddle for 10 12 hours a day when you go throw a steer down for three seconds now so um you know that that was really blessed to grow up here in um, northern nevada it's a really unique lifestyle and i think when you get to know the nevada ranching lifestyle i mean it's the real deal right and just like you described it um it's a lot of country that you all cover um, and it's really neat, tight knit, uh, ranching communities up there, which I found just to be such a cool thing to get to know. 
Um, and Dakota's parents, Mark and Veronica and his sister, Natasha. I mean, this is a close knit family. You've got uncles and cousins. And I mean, rodeo, the horse, the Western lifestyles is who you all are. I mean, to your core, which is a really cool thing these days, you know, and a lot of people say it's a dying way of life, but families like yours are who is, um, who's keeping it alive for sure for the next generation. Um, so tell me a little bit about Rusty in particular, because when you, when you know Dakota Eldridge, you know, Rusty, um, and that's really the horse that kickstarted your success in the rodeo arena. Um, and that horse in particular has kind of a cool story because he is, um, he's, he's a family man. Um, and he came straight from your dad, right? Yeah. My grandpa raised him. Uh, yeah, he was actually born and raised on the wine cup branch north of Wells there. Um, my grandpa had a band of mares out there and, um, yeah, I got a little picture of him out there, the colt my grandma found a few years ago. And, um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty cool. He was born in 99, that horse was, and my grandma found an old picture and it said that it was May 99, um, when he was born out there. And, uh, it, it just like from a little colt, I always remember my dad telling me, man, that'd make a great, uh, Sturison horse. And I'm like, how does, you know, how does he know that, you know, or what, he always loved that colt. I just, I remember him saying that to my grandpa and then he ended up, my dad bought him for my grandpa for, I don't know, maybe 2,500 bucks or 3,500 bucks. Um, and I think he traded my grandpa some, my dad go helping cowboy and traded him some cash and, uh, some, some cowboy for him. And so, yeah, dad, he started him and, uh, he headed on him forever. And I remember as a kid growing up, uh, I would take him and actually cowboy on him, you know, when he was probably four or five years old, I'd cowboy him during the day with my grandpa. And then my dad would take him a jackpot at night because he was a lot of horse and needed a lot of ride, you know, um, which, you know, looking back, it's crazy how I would say spoiled a guy was when you could go. Now you just can't put the miles on him and make, make the horses like you used to just because either you don't have the time or you don't have the access to, to do that, put the miles on them, kind of get them tired. And when, when they see that all day and then they go to the arena, they realize that job's easy, you know? Um, right. And so, uh, you know, so that kind of, he had a great foundation, you know, and so like I said, me and my dad had it on a lot. My dad won a trailer on his head, and I think I won a trailer on his head, and oh, we both did. And then, yeah, a few different saddles um, as far as heading on him. And then, uh, but he always told me every time he was heading on him, he was like, one of these days, you might get to dress some horses. And he, because he was pretty strong. And so, anyways, uh, my senior year of high school is when I turned him into a bulldog horse. And, uh, I, yeah, I took him over to a little indoor barn here, and uh, my dad said, he said, well, you might as well jump this next year. He's a good one. And uh, I said, what are you going to, you're not going to haze him that cold, are you? And he said, well, no. He said, it was just a little tiny cutting barn over there. Um, oh, Barton, they owned it over there. And um, anyway, so he said, well, just run him off the left or the right fence over there. He said, you don't need a hazer. He said, just kind of score him out there and just run by. He said, jump it if it looks good. And so, I was like, well, okay, that's in high school. And so sure enough, I think I ran him by one or two steers. And then I think the third one, I jumped him. And ever since then, he's been rusty. I mean, there's no rhyme or reason, you know, it's just like, he just wanted to be a great horse, no matter what you did on him. And, and uh, so that, so that year was my steering horse. I mean, I pretty much, he, he loved it. I mean, after that, it was, I mean, I'd practiced on him a little bit, but pretty much just keep him in shape. And then I uh, started taking him to the high school rodeo. It was the first high school rodeo I took, uh, took him to, I won it. And then won the state on in that year and took him to the high school finals that year, uh, end up winning third at the high school finals on him that year. And 
he won one horse of the year at the high school finals. And then, yeah, I took him to college up there in Pendleton, Oregon. And, yeah, I had a bunch of success on him and went to the college finals. And, um, and like I said, I, I guess I was always a steer wrestler, but at the same time, my team rope and calf rope, you know, way more. Uh, I steer wrestled just because I had a dad. He did it. My dad was a great steer wrestler. He won the state all four years in Nevada in the steer wrestling. And, uh, but he wasn't a very good teacher. Actually, he's a horrible teacher, but, uh, <laughs> cause he was, he was so, he was so natural. Like he just was like, well, it's not that hard. Just grab him by the horns and tip him over, you know? And you know, it's something, it's crazy now that I've dove into it. And before I kind of, before I really dove into the rabbit hole of steer wrestling and kind of breaking it down more, and I couldn't explain it very good either. You know, I just did it cause I had a good horse and I was, big and strong and athletic you know um but now i can actually help a kid do it because i've learned the basics and i've kind of started from ground zero again you know um but anyway so so you've learned college i went up there you've learned what not to do from your dad in the in the teaching world is that what you're saying (laughs) yeah yeah and i i don't know if i'm the best teacher but i could break it down a little more and kind of see stuff more you know Sometimes when somebody's so natural at stuff, they just think everybody, you know, it's so easy. It's like, no, you just got to rope two feet behind the steer, you know, or you got to rope the calf's <laughs> neck. Well, it's, you know, in one sense, it, yeah, it is that easy, but it's hard when it's somebody so natural at it, you know, and that's like uh, Jade Corker used to try to help me healing all the time. Well, I could tell somebody what they're doing wrong healing a lot more than I could in the steer us in a long time ago, you know, because because Jade had broke it down and he helped me so much. Um trying to heal in high school um so it was funny how i could teach that better than i could steer us but i was actually winning more in the steer us you know um so yeah so kind of to rewind back to so college i had good success there and then realized kind of put kind of hung my team rope up a little bit had good success team roping up there in oregon and stuff um i made the amateur finals and made the circuit finals and stuff won the the mpra one year um and actually i rode rusty up there i kind of switched back and forth like when i was in college i because I, I still wasn't really converted a true blown steer wrestler then i kind of kept bouncing back and forth and of course got crippled and so i i uh rode rusty at a couple uh the amateur rodeos and the circuit rodeos and then um anyways and after i graduated college i uh ended up going for rookie of the year that year and i bought a nice calf horse and won a little bit in the calf roping, but that year I really kind of excelled in the steer wrestling and uh, won the rookie, the resist all rookie of the year in the steer wrestling and the PRCA. And then I won the all around also, but the calf roping, I just, man, I just didn't have as much luck. The little horse I bought didn't fit me great, but it was kind of an eye opener that, man, I have a great, great dressing horse and I could make this a heck of a career with that horse, you know? And so the next year, I kind of just buckled down, and uh, Knowles has helped me a bunch, and uh, I mean, there's a bunch of great Sumters helped me. So I rode you with Sterling Lambert, you know, that first year, him and Blake Knowles, and um, there's so many people that have helped me along the way. Like I said, because I was just, I was just sterile because I just knew how to grab them by the horns and tip them over, you know. And between my dad and my uncle, always preached how important winning was to me. I knew how to win. I'm not saying I was the best technical bulldogger back then or steer wrestler but i knew how to win you know i could score good and um when the money was on the line i wouldn't pressure up but um then that first year i started rodeo with those guys and that was kind of 
I was trying to make it or break for me. I didn't really know I'd got an associate's degree in, um, in college up there. And it was kind of like, well, I better buckle down and try to make a career out of this. And I, sure enough, I ended up making the finals that year 15 and, uh, and they take top 15 in the world, um, to the NFR. And man, that was, that was a huge accomplishment, but also, it was one of those deals after I made it, uh, and I had a great finals that year. I think I won second uh, in the average that year and moved up from 15th to 5th in the world. Um, and that was just, I mean, due to that great horse uh, and uh, and some good uh, good fortune along the way. But um, but then in my steering career, then I was pretty much just hooked. You know, then I kind of dove deeper into it and started getting around more and more steer wrestlers and um, trying to perfect my craft because i knew i had such a good horse and then just kind of been here ever since been yeah this has been like how oh, since then it's gonna be going on nine years right now so that's wild and you know for those listening who are not um avid rodeo followers and and have a mild idea of what the heck we're talking about when we're talking about steer wrestling so it's a unique sport within rodeo for sure. And, you know, in my experience, it's, it's a, it's a really special sport in the way that, well, a, you know, these guys fall off on purpose with, with purpose, <laughs> um, and all these, yeah. all these sports within rodeo are, you know, based off of what was done out of necessity on the ranch. Right. So there is a rhyme or reason to what goes on in, in the sport of rodeo and in the different events. Um, and steer wrestling is special for a few reasons. One, um, when there's spectacular horses, they're, they're pretty hard to find and pretty hard to make uh, spectacular steer wrestling horses. So when you get a horse like a rusty, um, they, they kind of turn into the community horse, right? So you guys share horses a lot and hop on each other's mounts. And there's a lot of camaraderie in the sport. So tell me about that a little bit, because that's very unique, you know, calf ropers and team ropers don't just hop on each other's mounts very often. Um, and so in steer wrestling, that's a unique part of it. And also, um, I have never seen a event in the sport of rodeo or really across equine disciplines where you guys root for each other as much as you do. I mean, you're more than traveling buddies. Um, and you listed a bunch of them, you know, you've got, you've got Trevor Knowles, you've got wag, you've got, uh, Tyler Pearson, Luke Branquino, you, I mean, you've got this long list of guys who are right there for each other, um, not as competitors, but your buddies and you want each other to do well. And I've heard you say in the past that it's really you and that horse against that steer, not against your fellow steer wrestler. Right. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's one thing that, um, that it just was crazy too, that I've kind of formed into a steer wrestler now, you know, but I wouldn't change, change it for the world because it's, it is the best group of guys in the professional rodeo association, you know, just, uh, uh, everybody's, you know, I think we all realize at the end of the day, like you said, we're going against that steer, you know, um, and we all try to help each other out. You know, with Rusty, I mounted a lot of guys or not a lot, but I mounted the right guys. I felt like, you know, um, and I, I would love to mount and help more people out, but at the same time, that horse meant so much to me. Um, you know, it was kind of tough to, to just use him. I was, I didn't want to use him like he was just disposable, you know? So, um, I tried to, you know, protect him and keep the longevity in him as long as I could. But, uh, yeah, like Luke won the world on him in 2014, you know, um, yeah, Wags rode him, Trevor Knowles rode him at the finals. Um, 
you know, there's been um, Clayton Hassel's rodium, shoot tires and but i mean there's been numerous people riding you know and uh that horse never won horse of the year which that never really you know it never really bothered me because i mean he was one of the best but at the same time it's tough when you got other guys and they'll mount a few more guys than what i did and so in the steer wrestling world like they would you'd kind of want to vote for the horse you rode that year you know so um you know, one sense it kind of is a bummer that he never did win horse of the year, but next sense I also, he's also lasted probably longer than any other steer some horse. I mean, I rode him at the finals for seven years, seven, eight years, you know, and probably won over a million dollars on him. So, and that's not counting what other people want on him. So, um, you know, in one sense, I kind of, I'm glad I helped out as many people as I did, but I wish I could have helped out more, but still to this day, he's sound, he's out in the pasture and he's not, all crippled up and so as much as that horse did for me i felt like i managed him as good as i could um you know help helps me people out as i could but at the end of the day if i would have had to go pay you know some of these guys are paying 50 100 150,000 for these horses i mean it's a business so when i call somebody to ride a horse i mean they've got some bills to pay and i'm gonna pay 25 percent to whatever or to those guys of whatever i win so you know that it's more of a more of an investment for them where I didn't, I mean, my, my dad still hasn't sent me a bill on him yet, but, <laughs> but I didn't have to pay that, that big lump sum up front, you know? And, um, so that was, that was a true, uh, you know, that really helped me, you know, and, uh, in my career, cause I mean, a lot of these guys starting out rodeo and if you get, you know, hundred thousand dollar trailer and a 50 or well, new trucks cost 70,000, you know, and you get it, get a 20 to hundred thousand dollar horse you know i mean my goodness i mean you don't have to spend that much and all that stuff but at the end of the day i mean you got some bills and so there's a lot of those guys look at it more of like a business when they're mounting more guys you know and some of them horses like cadillac and casper and scooter them horses took it i mean they could take four runs all the time and i kind of i knew rusty he would get tired throughout the summer you know if i had a bunch of guys on so i kind of tried like i said i wouldn't mind you know two or three guys here and there, you know, uh, but four guys all year long. It's crazy. You know, like Clayton's good horse Ben's right now. We got four big guys on him, me, Clayton and Ty and Will on him right now. And I mean, gosh, we're all, you know, I mean, I'm the littlest and I'm 230 pounds, you know, and that horse takes four runs every day. It just shows you how tough and how great those horses are. So it's, now you're, you're uh... and it, it is crazy. You're tiny, Dakota. You're tiny. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I think if anybody, if anybody's ever seen steer wrestlers, these are the linebackers of the rodeo world for sure. So um, you yeah. and you and your cohorts are some big boys for sure. And what I love about you too is, you know, being around you enough, you and your horses um, is that they are not just a business to you. And I think, um, you know, that that can be the case sometimes for some people. And I think that with you, it's, it's really cool to see, um, this is how you grew up. These, these horses are a part of your life and you do, um, spend a lot of time and thoughtfulness in making sure that they're taken care of and that they are there to not just go out, use as much as you can win on while you can, um, you treat them, uh, be, you treat them in a way that there's, there's longevity as your goal, which I think is a really special thing. And that goes into how you condition them, how you take care of them. Like you said, limiting the amount of runs on them. Um, and in our world, how you feed them. So we, um, Dakota, it's been so long. I don't even remember how 
you and Platinum Performance got together, but you've been with us for so long now um, that I know that it's been it's been neat to watch how you take care of your horses because it's really meticulous. Kind of tell me a little bit about that part of your program because your horses look and feel spectacular every time I see them. Yeah, well, a lot of that's due to Platinum, you know, and that's something when I was rodeoing, I think how I got hooked up with Platinum was I was down at Luke's when we were, when he had his place down there in Los Alamos. And, um, and I, we went in there. I think Luke went in there and introduced me to you guys and, you know, what was up with my horses. And, and you know, you could say, hey, this is going to be good. You know, you need the, um, the gastric support or, you know, let's try to try him on the balance, you know, or let's do the longevity, you know, let's, you know, let's send you the renew, you know, because you're going to be, you know, you have a bunch of runs, you know, or at the final, there's that much stress, you know? So, um, I, I think a lot of it is, you know, having, having knowledgeable people up there at platinum, when you tell them what's up with the horse, you know, you know, if you got some bone issues, you know, put them on the osteon or, you know, whatever there's so, you guys are so knowledgeable up there. I think that's helped me a lot too, but, um, growing up and having the responsibility to take care of horses, my dad always made sure that, Hey, you know, those, those horses that's you know they need to eat before you you know and that's uh something i've always took to heart you know and uh, my dad is just always so avid on taking great care of his horses i think that's where i learned a lot of that but then also just having access to the great you know supplements and all the stuff that you guys make it just and that's why my horses look the way they do you know or you look at trevor brazil's horses or um you know i'm trying to think nick dowers you know you look at all, all them horses that's how a horse needs to look, you know, I mean, they're slicked off, they're shiny, they're feeling good, you know, and you can put, you can, you can put the pressure on them and you can ride them and get them to where you need them, but they also got the stamina to keep going. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's, um, for me, it's a major gift because not only are you a friend of mine, but we get to talk all the time and I feel like we get to stay ahead of anything that you need, which is, which is really neat. I'm, you know, humbled to have platinum be included in your program, but for you to make those calls to us and say, Hey, I'm going to be out on the road. And you know, these horses are going to be used a little bit more than normal. And so we can get ahead of it and make sure we get you what you need, which I think is a, a really neat, uh, you know, kind of one, two punch where we get to work together. It's crazy, which I'm, I'm kind of going out on a limb here, but I, as long as I've been rodeoing, it's like, man, I've had such good luck with horses, you know, as far as keeping them sound, I, you know, like I said, knock on wood, but as far as like any talking or any like major things, like I, I mean, whether it's a good Lord or platinum, I don't know, but, or a combination of both of them, I've had really good luck, you know, everything stayed healthy and I haven't had no major issues, you know, and I think that's due to a lot of consistent diet and great, you know, I think a lot of it goes back to platinum, you know. Well, we sure appreciate that, but I think it has a little something to do with you too and how um, how dedicated you are to taking care of them. Okay, so something that we cannot uh, have a podcast featuring Dakota Eldridge on without discussing is that Dakota may be a big name in the steer wrestling world, but we like to keep his feet on the ground and remind him that he married over his skis. And um, (laughs) which I think, you know, so that's okay. Um, And this is a family affair in a big way. So Dakota's uh, better half is Quincy Freeman Eldridge, who is of the Rodeo Quincy brand that she, uh, she kind of famously founded as a very young person. Um, And so you guys have a lot of ambition in your household. 
Um, and Quincy was a very accomplished rodeo cowgirl in her own right. And now you have two little tiny cowgirls in Sally Lou and Ruby that you guys are bringing up. So tell me about how the world of professional rodeo for you has transformed from swing and single to now, you know, married to Quincy to now a dad. So things have evolved just a little bit in your world. Yeah, it's, uh, boy it's yeah it's changed rapidly here the last couple of years um yeah i can't i mean my wife she's amazing and um she has worked she's such a hard worker you know and that i think stems back to her mom you know sally uh sally marvel you know or sally freeman but um she's a marvel from nevada i think those i don't know what it is but it's just like you grew up here in northern nevada and you work out on some of the branches like there's they've seen some hard times you know and so Sally, she was all, I mean, Quincy told me stories, you know, um, I'm so thankful that, um, you know, to have such a good mother-in-law, you know, she, uh, Sally passed away a couple of years ago now, bless her heart. But, uh, I just, every day I, with Quincy, it's like, man, I was so thankful Sally raised her the way she did. Cause as crazy as our lives are, you have to have a tough woman and a woman that can handle a lot, you know, we're gone a lot. She's got, she's home right now, two kids, you know, so that's uh, kind of put a new aspect on me. Like even over the fourth is like, Hey, you know, talking to her, the little one wasn't sleeping. And I was like, Oh man, I just feel terrible. You know? And she, and not that she's poor me or nothing, but it's, um, I just feel so bad to extract. It's given me more motivation to win much money as I can in a short amount of time for I can go home and see him, you know, and have a little more freedom as far as if I need to take a week off here after Calgary or something, I'll be able to, you know, go home. And, and luckily I had a great 4th of July and moved up to like fifth, um, in the world. So if I keep on track and keep winning, I'll be able to go home and see my little girls. Oh, that's awesome. I love how things have changed for you guys in such a great way. And Quincy is an absolute stunner. She's knocked out gorgeous. She's a wonderful designer and she has really kind of transformed the fashion world in, um, in kind of the Western, the Western realm. Um, we can have Quincy to thank for that. And so she's, she's a pretty cool businesswoman yeah. too, and a great mom. And, um, you definitely got a good one there, Dakota, for sure. And I think she'd probably say the same about you if I would venture to guess. So that's a good thing. Um, but you were just yeah, some days, yeah. some days, some days. Yeah. We'll, we'll stick with those days. Um, yeah. you were just referencing yeah. being on the road the way that you have been. So there's a really special time. We'll call it special, special, exhausting, exhilarating, however you want to describe it, um, called cowboy Christmas in your world. And for those, uh, of sure. our listeners who are not uh, familiar with the rodeo world, cowboy Christmas is, um, a, a get, well, the getting's good, uh, type of time frame, And it happens over the 4th of July when there are more rodeos happening simultaneously in multiple different states across the country and you guys hit most of them so tell us about being a rodeo cowboy during cowboy christmas and what your life has looked like over the past two years the start of our cowboy christmas was a little rough we uh we left Greeley and headed down towards prescott and we were pulling into the rodeo that night and our truck literally broke down like a mile from the rodeo grounds and so it was kind of, I mean, it was bad luck, but it was good luck. Like we were that close to rodeo grounds and there was another stressor drove by right then. And he's like, you guys broke down. And so we had to unhook the truck, tow it out from the trailer, hook his truck up and then uh, tow the trailer with his truck back to the arena, unload the horses. And uh, it's the first time I've ever been to Prescott in the first set. It's usually really hard to get all the Cowboys want to start at Prescott and then kind of work their way north. 
so I'm thinking, man, that's all right. We'll still, we're still got the first set, you know, still be a good day. Well, then about 10 minutes later, a storm rolls in. It just, I mean, it comes, I mean, raining so hard. The arena's flooded and it's about a foot deep of mud. And so that was how our force started. But uh, that just kind of goes to show you if you keep a positive attitude and look at the bright side, everything, uh, you know, it can change and it changes to a good 4th of July. But uh, so anyways, we got a, a girl let us borrow a truck. We drove to Oakley the next day. Uh, the truck kind of kept overheating. So we kind of had to drive slow. I had to blow the radiator out a few times, stop and get some coolant. Uh, and so it took us about 12 hours to get up, 13 hours to get up to Oakley. And then I went to Oakley and was four, three there and one, I think I won maybe like sixth or seventh there. And then from Oakley, we eased up and went to, we had a day off after Oakley, so it wasn't too crazy, but we went to Red Lodge, uh, Livingston, Cody, and then we flew over to St. Paul and uh, we rode Clayton's horse bins over there at all those. And then my parents took my horses up to St. Paul and we met them there. And uh, actually with then another weird story is I, uh, my well Cody's slack took forever and so we missed our flight so then we had to get Ty Erickson and Sierra Erickson's car and drive 16 hours across over there so then we got to St. Paul and yeah we run our steers there and then we went to Eugene and then we just eased back to Elko but um, I did have a I had a really good the best fourth I've ever had um, I ended up placing at Cody uh, one second and third at Livingston one second at St. Paul so I won a little a little over 18,000 in a bad matter of five, five, six, I don't know. It's kind of a blur, but uh, seven days, maybe. That's not a bad week. Yeah. Not a bad week. Yeah. So. Um, and that's, it, it's indicative of uh, the, it takes a village uh, old adage where it really does. I mean, your parents are hauling horses for you. A lot of these guys have spouses and buddies and drivers. And I mean, you've got horses going all over the place to meet you guys at all these rodeos. And it definitely takes, takes more than just you to get it done. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and that's, a, you know, the crazy thing, like the rodeo, like the rodeo world is so crazy. Just like, um, actually Winston, um, he's a young kid that started to travel with us and, uh, he called a friend from Canada and it was, uh, I think his friend's girlfriend had a pickup down there or something. I mean, and they're, I mean, no questions asked. They just let us take the truck. I mean, we're driving at 12 hours, you know, and it's like, they didn't, they didn't know us from Adam, you know, and they let five steer us or jump in their truck and take it, you know, and then we, uh, Winston's dad's been great to us. Uh, Jarrett McGraw. Um, he, uh, he sent a driver down and actually sent us Clayton's truck from Greeley. And then, uh, yeah, then he sent his driver down and, and took that out of Dodge back to Prescott, Arizona for us. And then uh, Winston's truck's actually still in the shop down there in Arizona. So waiting to get it fixed. And so, you know, it's just a crazy, all the different people, all the strings that everybody pulls, you know, and I, uh, I, I can't thank everybody between sponsors and friends and family for all the help they've given me, you know, uh, you guys the are, years. You guys are pretty good guys. I'm, I'm, I'm sure people are jumping at the chance to help you out. And I don't know, five humongous steer wrestlers they probably didn't want to say no for a lot of reasons <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um no i think that's really cool how people jump in to uh, to help each other out in that world and especially with you guys and um i, I think that's great ty and sierra erickson great people um so oh, I, I want to ask you about you know we've talked about the camaraderie in the steer wrestling world but 
what I love about you and a lot of your traveling partners is that you guys take it seriously. I mean, this is serious business. You've pointed out you're away from your families. It is not cheap to be out on the rodeo trail. I mean, your equipment is expensive. Keeping your horses up is expensive. You've got to pay entry fees um, and fuel these days. So uh, there's a lot of expense that goes into keeping you out on the road. So tell me about the mental aspect of it, because I've always really admired how you all take that into consideration. Um, you pay attention to sports psychology and it's not just a, Hey, I'm going to have a great time with my buddies. I'm going to go jump on my horse and run my steers and, you know, head on to the next one. Um, that's not how you treat it. And you and so many of these guys, um, alongside you pay attention to the mental aspect of it, the competitive aspect of it, how attitude plays a part. Um, tell me about that and how that makes a difference in your success. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, you ask any sport, you know, uh, whether it's a football player or, you know, basketball player or whatever, and you ask them, you know, a lot of, I mean, I guess I don't know the percentage of the, you know, ball players is what they'd say, but, uh, like a lot of rodeo guys, you ask them like, you know, what, what percent do you think this is mental? You know, what, you know, what better percent you think's physical or, you know, what your ability, you know, whatever. And, you know, most time, I mean, when people would ask me that question, I'd be like, Oh, it's, you know, 80% mental at least, you know, and then, well, how much time do you spend, spend on your mental game? Well, not if it's 80%, you spend a lot more time in the practice pen than you do working on your ability than you actually spend working on your mental game, you know, but in one sense, you just told me it's 80% of it, you know, having a good mental attitude. And so that I read a book, uh, it's called winning, winning the mind by Lassie, Lanny Bassam. And, uh, and that's what he said. He said, if it, if, if the mental aspect of it is that much, you know, why aren't you spending more time working on your mental game? And so ever since I've read that book, it's like, man, that rings the bell on, a lot of people you know it's like you can go beat yourself up in the practice pen and run 100 steers but i'm a little older and a little wiser now i can go run 10 steers in my head and have a great attitude and i can feel better i'm in better i can go to the gym and stretch and work out instead of just trying to beat myself up throwing steers down and i can go to the rodeo beach you know so that that's kind of changed changed my game the way I've looked at it, you know. Well, I love that. And you're having fun doing it. And I think that one thing that I take away from being around you is you've got a very positive attitude. Um, and it might sound cliche, but I think that makes a big difference. You know, you love what you do, you make the yeah. most of it while you're out there, and then you want to get home. And um, I think that that's a, a neat thing about you. I appreciate the way and platinum appreciates the way that you take care of your horses. Um, and I think that you know, Dakota Eldridge is a, is a really cool guy to watch out on the rodeo trail. You live the Western lifestyle, you're a hunter, you're a sportsman. Um, and this is something that is near and dear to your heart because it's who you are. And we're really proud to have yeah, you on the team. And that, yeah. And then, uh, oh, I appreciate it, Jess. And I appreciate Platinum, all the stuff they've done for me, you know, but I was kind of going to touch on, you know, you said my traveling partners too. And that's a big thing is traveling great guys, you know, like Will Loomis, Ty and Clayton Hass, um, they all, we all got great attitudes, you know, not, I mean, it's, it's tough. You know, this morning I go to my hometown rodeo, there's tons of people come watch me at the slack, you know, and I'm 7.6 seconds. And it's like, man, what a bummer, but you know what? It is what it is. And I got to go to the next one. Uh, you know, I could throw my sucker in dirt and be mad, but at the same time, 
you know, there's, um, you know, a good rule, the 10 minute rule, you know, you'd be mad for 10 minutes and, and I used now I could be mad for maybe, I mean, now I know, you know, how I function and, and how, you know, I know whether it was a bad steer or it was my own fault, but if it's my own fault, I dang sure beat myself up a little more, but I give myself no more than 10 minutes. Most of the time I can get over it in about two minutes now and, you know, roll on to the next one. Um, you know, and that's, that's a good thing about traveling to those good guys. They all have the same attitude, you know, and no different like wag when that guy is, he's freaking always, I mean, he's got the best attitude, you know, he can run, run a piece of junk steer and then get up and be smiling. He's ready to go to the next one. He, he knows he's going to draw the best steer at the next rodeo, you know, and that's just being around those guys and being around winners, you, they don't let you be down and they don't, there's no option to be mad or be down um, and have a bad attitude. You know, we all try to just build off each other. Yep. Life's all about who you surround yourself with and WAG and which is Tyler Waggy's back for those of you who are not familiar with him. Um, you've got some great buddies and some good fellow competitors. You guys take care of each other out there. And, you know, as a, as a fan and a friend, it's just, uh, it's cool to watch and there's nothing like watching you back into the box at the NFR. Um, it's a long road to get there every year. And I think that, you know, if, if over the 4th of July is any indication, we're going to see you back at the Thomas and Mac this December. Um, and we'll be happy to join a very large cheering section, um, under the, under the Nevada flag for, um, for Mr. Dakota Eldridge, that's for sure. So it's been a pleasure to talk to you today, Dakota, as always. Um, and we sure will be behind you for the rest of the year and hope to see you there in Vegas under the bright lights. Awesome. Well, thank you. And thanks for everything you do for Platinum, Jess. And, and, uh, like I said, I can't thank Platinum enough and, um, yeah, I'm proud to be part of the team. Oh, well, hey, we're, we're equally as proud to have you, buddy. And, and for those of you that are listening, we really appreciate you joining us for another dis, uh, discussion here on the It Starts Within podcast. And I sure hope you join us on the next one. And until then, everybody take care. Thanks very much, y'all.